everybody. Turn this up in my headphones, Charles. Turning it up. Hello, 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 everybody, one and all. Welcome to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I am ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, but not just any fantasy today, because oh. today we get to revisit one of those series that we just cannot stop talking about, don't want to stop talking about, and that is The King Killer Chronicles by Patrick Rothfuss. Yeah, if you take a look at our episode catalog, you probably get the sense that we like to talk about The King Killer Chronicle by Patrick Rothfuss, because <laughs> we're always, yeah, and I think this is a series that just has so much fodder for amazing conversations, mm -hmm. and we'd love to have these conversations in a way in which they would be accessible to everyone, no matter where they're at. But some of these deeper conversations lend themselves to more spoilers, uh, if we're going to really do them right, or at least opening the the doorway to us being able to have spoilers. So this is one of those conversations, uh, and we're thinking of this, the King. what is the Kingkiller Chronicle about as more of thematically what kind of story is Patrick Rothfuss trying to tell mm -hmm. with the King Killer Chronicle, which is totally not clear yet, in part because there are only two out of three books available. So as two people who've read those two books trying to speculate, what is what do we think Patrick Rothfuss might be trying to convey to us about this series. So if you are tuning in thinking, well, but I actually want to know what the book is about. Um, uh, I, I do want to get the surface stuff out of the way before I give you my spoiler warning, which is it's basically an epic figure who is now in a uh, living a life as a humble innkeeper uh, under a disguised name who has been sought out by a chronicler of stories to recount his tale, uh, what that innkeeper claims to be the truth of his tale from his words. And it's basically how this person, or him telling the story of how he became the figure of Quoth, who's such a legendary person, more myth than man at this point, as I think what I said back in our The Name of the Wind <laughs> Buddy Reed episode. So he's sitting down with a chronicler and with his apprentice named Bast and telling his story in his inn over the course of three days. So that's what the Kinker Chronicles at the surface about. And now I want to let anyone know who hasn't read uh, The Name of the Wind uh, and The Wise Man's Fear, the first two books of the Kingkiller Chronicle, that uh, this is a good time to turn this episode down in your headphones if you don't want to have anything spoiled. I'm not sure what plot points we'll get into, but we're not going to hold back if things come up. 
That's absolutely uh, well said, Dylan. So with this blanket, what's King Killer about, premise set up, and with the spoiler warning in, I think we're ready to get right into the discussion here because it's it's not like the reason we decided to record this because the more we thought about the question, like, oh, what is this about? It, 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 it took on like almost this meta idea of what King Killer Chronicle is about. And then also, of course, there's a lot of points that we had mentioned in preparation for this episode of what King Killer is not about. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I feel like Patrick Rothfuss would appreciate this. Like when asked a question about what the King Killer Chronicle is about, I feel like he might be willing to say, here's some of what it's not about. So we'll try to do him justice in all his uh, whimsy and, (laughs) Uh, amazing uh, like discussion ways ask questions. So I think that the King Killer Chronicle, Charles, I think you'd probably agree with me that it's the most, in our experience of discussing many books on the Friends Talking Fantasy podcast at this point, it is the one that is the most controversial for just like generating either in the love direction or the hate direction uh, people's thoughts and opinions and questions and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and I think a lot of that comes from a discrepancy between what they want the story to be about or what they think the story is going to be about and the kind of story that Patrick Rothfuss is actually uh, t- try- trying to tell. Uh, would you agree with with that before we get into these points? Yes, I would agree. And... There's a lot of reasons for that. I think there's been a lot of speculation about what's actually going to happen because these books are not finished yet. That's a very unique thing about this series compared to other like highly discussed series. Um, you know, there's still so much attention and liveliness brought into these books. And because it's so open to, open to interpretation, people have very different takes on what their reading experience is like and what makes these books so brilliant to me is that yeah like there are multiple ways to experience these books because what these books are about are not you know so obviously stated in the narrative of the story that's well said charles yeah i think that there's a lot of things the story is (laughs) is flipping a lot of the things that we're used to in the genre on their heads, but while almost presenting those things with the kind of story structure where sometimes readers feel they're being made promises of what the story is about, and then those things aren't being fulfilled for them. And I think the number one thing that comes up for me around that is some folks feel like they want the story to be about how Quoth, who was orphaned after the Chandrian killed his parents and his whole Adimaru troop, uh, they want the story to be about how this legendary figure rose up and took vengeance upon the Chandrian, these evil figures in the world. And we're so used to these stories about characters rising up against evil lords or figures or magical evil entities or what have you. And the Kingkiller Chronicle, pretty early on in the name of the wind, sets 
up that kind of premise. And I know the first time I was reading it, that's what I started to think when that event happens where the Chandrian kill his parents. I was like, oh, that's what this is about. It's about vengeance um, on the Chandrian and how he got that. And it was only later that I started to think this fits more in the category of here's what I think it's actually not about. Right. Uh, Rothfuss definitely presents the Chandrian as, you know, this like you know the leader of the chandrian being like this big bad guy and every once in a while the chandrian make an appearance in the story but you know it's not frequent enough and it doesn't it, it drives a lot of quilt's motivations but not all of them and so much of the story is just taking place outside of that plot line that i would agree and that this is an element but i think we're purposefully dancing around it and that's why i would agree with you and say that this book is not necessarily about uh getting vengeance on the transrian we just haven't spent too much time like after two very long books uh concerned about the Chandrian or trying to hunt them down you know life is kind of living in between those moments and so much of the book is in between those moments that it's hard to say that this is a, a vengeance story I feel the same way. And you mentioned the leader of the Chandrian, Haliax, uh, and it's kind of like the the best antagonists have presence in the story throughout in one way or another. I, or I can't tell you what the best uh, antagonists are like, but in, in my experience of reading, I enjoy the antagonists that have a presence throughout the story. And I would say Heliax has very little presence very throughout little. the story besides kind of in quotes head that like you said a lot of the things he does is this like i'd like to get vengeance on Haliax. i like to get vengeance on cinder is another one cinder depending on how some uh some things work out with like identities and whatnot that i won't get into the details of uh cinder might have more of a presence uh, like he might be master ash and all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. who's dennis patron uh but all that being said these these those two characters are the main chandry and involved in the story and even them it's like they're not hugely present uh cinder a little bit more and that being said the story is a like pretty explicitly presented as like being tragic in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that a little bit more later. Um, so yeah, it's hard to think that the story is going to be one of Quoth rising up and getting vengeance on the Chandrian and victory. And that's fine for me. Cause you know, I talk all the time on here about I'm super character focused to the point where like, I don't know, like vengeance on an evil Lord. I feel like I've seen that a lot of times in stories and for me it's all in the the telling of that kind of story it could be really good it could be really bad but for me i don't really like it doesn't need to be that Mm -hmm. but i see how people experience a character getting their parents killed by an evil lord and then thinking oh that's what this story is about and getting attached to that idea and then going on to be like oh like why is quoth just like having a day in day out life in school and why is quoth like running around chasing denna and having this like weird sort of and i think uh, amazingly written um dynamic with her and just having these moments with ari that like where do those fit in 
that are just feel like them having time spent together. And it's like, how's all this fit into this vengeance on the Chandrian story that I expect to be told? And I see where the frustration happens for a lot of people there. And I explicitly see people bringing up, like, why is Quoth out there doing this? Like, uh, when is it going to get back to the real plot, which is him going after the Chandrian? And those are, like, one of the most common ways I see people, like, who feel like the story meanders and feels like they're not being given what they want from the King Killer Chronicle. Yeah, that's so well said. It's, uh, these moments are part of the story, but it's not what the story's about. And I think that's the important distinction. And I mean, that being said, there's still a whole nother book. We, we know yeah. that there is a fallout at some point and I, I, I believe that touching on our expectations in terms of vengeance stories and big bad villains and all the supernatural villains and all these other things uh, is presented in such a traditional way that when we know that this ends at the Waystone Inn, we're like, what happens in between? Like, if he really defeated the Changian, wouldn't he be happy like why is he so defeated in these moments so like all like it it serves to drive those questions of what happened to quote that he became coat for sure and maybe he does like i want to preface all this too with some degree of we could be entirely wrong yeah it's happened to us both before um, and it will happen to us again at some point. Um, these are our opinions of what we think it's going to be about. Maybe in book three, it, the big reveal is this has all been a story about vengeance on Chandrian, but I, I don't expect it will be. And I do think that even if he gets vengeance on the Chandrian in book three, I expect the twist on it will be that it came at some cost that was like not worth it. So the, his decision to actually pursue that rather than just, like, in, indulge himself in the more day-to-day of, like, savoring. We'll get into more of that, too. Um, I, I imagine that there would be some twist to that story that Rothfuss would present. But we'll save that for our book three buddy read discussion <laughs> when that things. does come. Yes, yeah. we're very much looking forward to that discussion when it does come so uh and to clear that up before anyone thinks that means that the book is on the horizon um there is no release date that we are aware of um so oh yeah sorry for any folks (laughs) hoping for that but i've got another what this this book isn't about and charles uh you might not be surprised that this has to do with denna so the i think another way in which i see people not happy with the story they're getting from the King Killer Chronicle is when they want the story to be a romance where the hero, quote unquote, gets the girl. And I think the Denna and Quoth relationship, we've talked to that relationship arguably to death at this point, although I'll probably keep going uh, well past that the point of its death. Um, <laughs> but we, like... We both think it's incredibly well-written. We talked about our favorite romances and fantasy discussion as one of our top three. And all that being said, you know, we're reading 
uh, the Wheel of Time also right now and things like that. And I won't get into details of that, but um, some of these things are played more traditionally with romantic relationships in that book. And I think people are used to reading fantasy stories where the hero does these great feats and then the love interest like falls all over them for doing that. And Quoth, we know, is going to do all of these great feats. He's already done some of them to this point. They usually play out a little bit different than we might expect. But he's done some pretty impressive things. Um, and all that time, Denna is there just not falling over herself for him, at least not in the traditional way we're used to, where she's just like, oh, Quoth, please be with me. I want to have a like, traditional relationship with you and be saved by you and all these kind of things. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yes. And st- like, this all comes back to where this book starts, right? They're at the Waystone mm-hmm. and a man waiting to die. We know there is no victory in these moments that we're getting because of we know where it ends up so when we're pitched these storylines after knowing that it's like well if he got the girl if he ends up in a relationship with denna why is he waiting to die by himself at the waystone inn where is denna yes. it's clearly like the romance is not what it is about specifically but we know it plays an incredibly important part And there's still so many mysteries that anything could still happen at this point. There's lots of great theories about, like we hinted at who Stenna's patron is, that she has reverse feelings about the Chandrian and all these other things. Right, and the Amir. And the Amir. Kind of like a mirror image. Right. And it could be about that to some extent. Yeah, and that is very interesting, and I wouldn't mind that being the direction that uh, book three goes in. But even if it does or does not, the point is, like, it's not about any of these um defining moments it's like oh if i could only get here i would win and the story would be over it's like not that's not what's happening we're trying to learn more about this character and figure out where he's going so trying to figure out what is king killer chronicle about it's like well there is the chantrian and there is this romance but it all ends here at the waystone inn and how do we get there and who is this character about and what is this really about you know trying to piece that out is it is it how we got here at the waystone inn is that what we're trying to learn at this moment or is it something else well Charles, I'm glad you bring up the Waystone Inn Mm -hmm. because this reminds me of a quote I pulled that I was hoping to get the chance to talk about in this episode, which is uh, this moment where Quoth reflects on the kind of story that he's telling. This is, I believe, in the like immediate aftermath of the him revealing the Cathay. I could be wrong about that being where it shows up, mm-hmm. but I do believe it is then. And uh, the quote is uh, like in response to Bast, who's freaking out, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. Oh, Bast, he said softly to his student. His smile was gentle and sad. I know what sort of story I'm telling. This is no comedy. This is the end of the story, Bast. We all know that. And it says, Quoth's voice was matter-of-fact, as casual as if he were describing yesterday's weather. I have led an interesting life, and this reminiscence has a certain sweetness to it. But, it goes on, but this is not a dashing romance. This is no fable where folk come back from the dead. It's not a rousing epic meant to stir the blood. No, 
we all know what kind of story this is. And note that Quoth doesn't finish that <laughs> is by describing, well, it's this kind of story. It's a very, I think, Rothfussian, if that, can I say that? <laughs> yeah. Rothfussian? Sure. It sounds good. Yeah. It's a very Rothfussian thing, which is this kind of, I'll tell you what it is, isn't, and let you, he loves questions, right? Rothfuss has been very clear about, like, he, some, a lot of times questions are more interesting to him than, than answers. And this quote, I think it implies that, well, we all know it's a tragedy, and I think that's the most like straightforward expectation of uh, at least the tone of the story. It doesn't tell us what the themes and what it's about necessarily is, mm-hmm. but I do I do think it it seems to imply that it's a tragedy. It seems to imply it is not about like quotes telling the story, and he know he's a very good storyteller. He's a Dimaru. He's not going to say it's. Uh, you know, it's a, it's not a rousing epic if it's a rousing epic. So I, I think like these sort of ch- like Chandrian revenge moments are trying to fit it into this rousing epic meant to stir the blood thing that Quoth explicitly says it's not that story. And I think it really, a big part of it, and we'll get into the, the themes of what that is about uh, more, is what you were talking about, Charles, of this like, we're at the Waystone. Mm-hmm. It's been probably, unless we're wrong, a tragedy. Things have gone really awry. And it that's already occurred. So how did we get here? And <laughs> th- yeah, I'll have more, but I'll, I'll throw it to you. Right. No, that's well said. And that's a great quote because it's, again, it's like a, we... And Quoth is a storyteller, so he's not going to play all his cards in that moment. He does want to keep you invested. He he can't help but still give a performance. So it's like, look, this is my story. I know what kind of story it is. And it's, you know, not the ones that we're all hoping for. And that is such an interesting moment. And it puts a lot of these pieces into question of like, well, then what is this about? And what is happening? Like, it's called the King Killer Chronicles, but like, there's like, no kings have been killed, and we're we're like two thirds into <laughs> we this. We got an book. email about that the, uh, yesterday. <laughs> yeah, uh, like uh, shout out to Rachel. There, oh yes, yeah. thank you for sending an there email at the podcast at gmail dot com. Um, and exactly right. It's like, has any kings been killed? Uh, we assume so, but we ha- we don't know definitively yet. There's like. For me, it's like, is this all going to get wrapped up in this snowball of resolution in this third book? Like, you know, there's so many unanswered questions, but is that the point of this story at the same time? And it's not so obvious. Rothfuss has left everything open. Lev has said nothing definitive. The only thing we really know is that somehow we end up here at the Waystone Inn waiting to die. Like, that's the one thing we can be sure of. So how we get there will be quite an interesting journey. Yes, it will be a very interesting journey. So I think that it, we've I think we've transitioned at this point in the episode mm-hmm. away from the what is King Killer not about, and I, I do think we're ready to get into a little bit more of what we think it actually might be about thematically. And I the first thing that comes up for me as we're talking about these ideas of like we know it ends 
at the Waystone. We know all these like rough things have happened already. Is this idea of like a beautiful game, which we've talked about before? We've talked about this parallel between uh, Tack, which is the game that uh, Quoth plays uh, over. Uh, Quoth plays this game with uh, Brayden. And uh, he's kind of taught this lesson of, like, uh, you can try to, like, ruthlessly try to beat me at this game, but it's actually, like, way less fun, and Quoth ends up losing anyway when he tries to do that. In fact, losing more brutally than he does when he just kind of, like, has fun playing this this board game. And uh, I think that that's, like, that's a big thing here that parallels all sorts of different elements of the story even just like the the title the name of the wind Mm -hmm. is uh, like this idea of uh, like you you can't actually figure out the name of the wind once and for all it's always changing and it's more about being with it where it is in that moment and once you let go of this trying to win and once and for all discern the name of the wind, you can just be present and it's just there. Uh, and it might be different tomorrow. Well, it's probably different the next moment, but you're not trying to force it into this box of what it originally was. And, and I think that reflects the name of the wind. I think it reflects like his relationship with Denna, which is explicitly, there's a quote. So I did not try to win her and contented myself with playing a beautiful game, but there was always a part of me that hoped for more. And so there's a part of me that was always a fool. So I think that's, that's such a big part of this is like any part of quote, that's trying to win and figure something out once and for all and have things that tends to not be great for his life. But when he's just chilling and playing a beautiful game, that's when things start to come into view. So I really wonder if a lot of the Kingkiller Chronicle is about this, like, quote, it's a tragedy because Quoth never learned to play the beautiful game. Uh, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think of that, Charles? I think that's so true. This idea of the name of the wind. It's like, well, it, how do you name something that's ever changing and always moving. And for Quoth, the times where he is successfully naming things are when he is so in the moment and he's not actually trying to def- like think about defining it or puzzling it out or anything like that. It's he's, he's emotionally invested in the moment and that's what causes him to achieve uh, great things, including calling on the wind every once in a while. And that translates into every piece of the story that like we've mentioned multiple times, the idea of the beautiful game of being emotionally invested in the moment and exploring it. And even in the narration and the writing style that Rothfuss uses of where we've often described it as poetic and things of that nature. It's like he's he's enjoying writing about what's happening and he's fully invested in what's going on in these moments that he's not necessarily like laying plotting groundwork to the final face off with the Chandrian. It's right. It's these, it's these scenes in between and Rothfuss is deliberately putting off on addressing the Chandrian to get us to be like, yeah, that's something we want to see, but there's all these beautiful moments in life happening in between where he's going on dates and going to class and talking with his friends and playing music. That is what's really important. So this, idea of balancing priorities focusing on like this 
poetry and then also calling on this idea of everything good that happens is when I'm in, in, embracing the moment and not trying to, as we say all the time, capture the moon. Yes, exactly. It's, I mean, there's that incredible story within a story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's this whole, I, I, God, I'll see if I can get it right on the spot of what I like to say about the King Killer Chronicle, which is calling it a story about stories that is a story within a story. <laughs> and sometimes I'll go a level deeper of telling a story in that. <laughs> like, and that's what the story about Jax and the moon, which we, we love chatting about yeah. on here. And honestly, that could be its own episode. Maybe it's like, <laughs> if we haven't repeated it over and the, over. Yeah. It would be a very well, great, honestly. Well, like Charles, I, I mean, this is, maybe a little podcast logistic-y, but <laughs> I, maybe people would be interested in this. Like, if we reread the Jackson the Moon uh, part of mm. uh, the Kingkiller Chronicle and just had a discussion focused on that, I actually think that could be really interesting. That's literally like the way we take a buddy read episode uh, for a typical like book is like treating the Jackson the Moon story that way with of course the awareness that's in the King Killer Chronicle. <laughs> I think that could be interesting. But uh, anyway, um yeah, the I I think it's amazing that you bring up the prose when you were talking before uh, there Charles, which is like I think that's all part of this is like the beauty of the King Killer Chronicle is it works on so many level levels, even to this more like meta level mm-hmm. of like the way that Rothfuss treats writing his book feels much more like this beautiful game idea too, because uh, not only is it not like plot wise, having these moments of uh, these rousing epic to stir the blood constantly, it's just like the sentence by sentence of this prose is written so beautifully i mean in all the controversy that we've seen on social media and elsewhere uh, about the king killer chronicle charles the thing i've almost never seen some i i don't know if i've ever seen someone claim that the prose is not good and oftentimes like the one thing that the vast majority of people that I've interacted with think about the King Killer Chronicle is that, that it has fantastic prose, even if they're not happy about just about anything else about <laughs> it. So it's literally like the process of reading this story is in itself a beautiful game. And uh, it's just a pleasure to sit down with and read. And when we, we as readers start trying to, like even the idea we love theorizing about the king killer chronicle and stuff like that but even that idea of trying to like pin down what's going to happen and know it and like uh, trying to figure everything out in the moment of reading it can get you lost in all of this discerning and thinking and ruminating in the same way quoth does um but like in some ways i find i enjoy the king killer chronicle most when i just sit back and enjoy each sentence and treat this sort of journey before destination uh, approach to reading it that's yeah that's kind of our mantra about king killer chronicles very eloquently stated uh it's true it's all about this idea of 
journey over destination and Rothfuss's from the story to the writing just embodies it completely and while it's fun to speculate and it's like I can't believe there's only one more book left even though it's probably going to be a thousand page brick it's like how are we gonna like what does the ending look like for this story and that that's fueled a lot of discussion over the years while we wait patiently uh, for the next book to come out. There, there's no shortage of of ideas to speculate on and discuss, but one thing we can be certain on is that we should enjoy the moments that we do have just for the fact that uh, they're well-written and they're emotional at times and they're honest at times and they're depressing at times, they're frustrating at times, and that's just what uh, what life is like. For sure. Yeah. And that's super well said, Charles. I think that, and, and that's part of what's so great about this is that's what life is like. And the story that's being told is supposed to be this person who is just, it's, it's a fantasy version of an autobiography, essentially. Like, obviously, the, there's a frame story, which makes it not a straightforward, like, if it were an autobiography by Cote or Quoth. And, but if you're telling your true story or trying to get it right, and you're almost, like, there's moments where Quoth basically, like, tries to teach Chronicler the lesson of, like, hey, what if I started building up your name and reputation as something that's fake and a myth and all these things that pump you up to be something better or different or scary or whatever than you actually are. Like that doesn't feel good. And you remember that moment yes. when he does that to Kronk where yeah. he like teaches. Yeah. It's a, interesting moment Uh, like he starts spreading rumors kind of about like the chronicler and what he's like and paints him as this epic figure (laughs) and quoth is in this place where he's like i've already heard every version of this story about me i'm going to do my best to frame it in the way that i see the narrative and that doesn't mean the narrative is inherently true i think it's unreliable still in the ways that if any of us was telling the story about our own life, it would play out in a way that is somewhat off base from reality. If I told my story, it'd be somewhat off base from the actual reality. And I think that's a big reason why it fits into this like story about storytelling aspect too, Mm -hmm. where it's like, we're learning these things about, uh, about how stories are told and how people come to understand their own narratives about themselves and try to be understood by others and again it's kind of this like uh, this idea of there's not this objective right it's all this more like subjective story and understanding of things the the beautiful game of telling and trying to understand one's own story um so yeah and which is super meaningful i think for for me to to read it through that lens yeah it's what makes these books so fun the fact that rothfuss can create a beautiful game in the story where it's just the experience of just being in it in the moment is so rewarding and when you're writing a big sprawling fantasy series that is not necessarily something easily achieved when you have to get so much world building done and set up plots and characters and and plot lines and arcs and all these other things where Rothfuss is like we can 
bring those things up as they come along. But like we're also just, you know, we're going to go to school now and we're going to go on a date now and we're going to, you know, travel here and there and uh, find ourselves teleported to the Fae and all these other things that we're going to find ourselves doing for better or for worse. But the fact that he was able to create that experience and not only make a story about it thematically, but to also embody that theme in his writing is why Patrick Rothfuss stands way, way high up in regard for us on the, uh, on the show here. It's just like an incredible accomplishment. Yeah. And this is, it's an incredible accomplishment. Like you said, Charles, and this is the thing is like another level of reflecting on how Rothfuss thinks about these things is more like, let's raise questions. Let's think about things, but let's not try to make the thinking process about discerning the objective right answer is also honestly feels reflected in the fact he hasn't given us the third and uh, final book yet. And even the fact that when he talks about the third book, he's like, Oh, the whole thing. Like, I, I don't know where he's standing on this now, but at times he said like the whole thing's basically a prequel anyway. <laughs> and it's like, uh, which people had reactions to as uh, you know, that I won't get into, but it, the, it's like this idea that Rothfuss doesn't want to try to tell you the name of the wind. He doesn't want you to know the name of the wind once and for all and give you all these answers. He, I think, likes the idea of these questions and these conversations and these, like, uh, let's, let's enjoy what we have right now. And it's kind of like a lot of where the focus goes. And it goes this way for us too, for sure, Charles. We're as uh, guilty as other people, I think, with trying to like figure out the answers of like, is this, or at least I am, I won't speak for you. <laughs> but I'm out there like having these email conversations where I'm like uh, trying to, tell people who I think Cinder actually is. And I think I'm, I've figured out these connections between Cinder and Master Ash because mm-hmm. both of them have, you know, Quoth has a talent for naming and he accidentally called Master Ash Ash, uh, which is a synonym for Cinder and all this kind of stuff, right? And I'm trying to figure out these answers because I think that's a, a normal tendency to do. But I think that's part of what I don't know, Patrick Rothfuss uh, or anything like that, but I get this sense that that's probably part of the hesitation for him with moving forward on providing a third book that's supposed to give all these answers when Rothfuss, you know, there's that, that quote that uh, we've pulled this quote before, but I do think it's, uh, it's apropos here where Rothfuss says, not Rothfuss himself, or like in the book, Rothfuss writes, it's the questions we can't answer that teach us the most. They teach us how to think. If you give a man an answer, all he gains is a little fact, but give him a question and he'll look for his own answers. And I think there's kind of this like, Rothfuss likes the idea of people like teaching themselves and deliberating and stuff as long as there wasn't a right answer to have pinned down once and for all. And once he puts out that third book, there is kind of this answer once and for all and that's kind of i don't know it feels almost inimical to how i i imagine rothfuss thinks about his writing i agree a hundred percent we're having i feel like the the phantom's so alive for all those reasons that you said it's it's much more fun to be excited about where it's going and to speculate and to find meaning in some of these moments yeah and yeah it's 
it makes it hard to write that final moment. So we'll see how Rothfuss delivers on his themes in his final book. And uh, however long he needs to perfect that craft, I'm I'm willing to wait because it, it seems like a a tricky thing to bring home is to deliver a sense of finality to this to this story that's so yeah. much about the moment. I agree, and I think that's kind of how. You know, we're here trying to have this what is King Killer about conversation. And I think that if we sought to find the explicit answer and to tell you, like, well, we figured it out. Here's what the King Killer Chronicle is about. That is kind of contrary to how we think of the series. (laughs) Right. Uh, So to, to try to ask this and answer this question directly or I mean, we tried it directly, but to answer it explicitly or with a clear, um, uh, like here it is, uh, is almost contrary, yeah, to the to the King Killer Chronicle and the message that we take from it anyway. And because like this, I think the King Killer Chronicle is about the journey. It is about each beautifully written sentence. It's about these relationships and enjoying moments for what they are. It's about how. I mean, in part, we talked about this, like how Quoth's life might have been better if he just stopped looking for all of those explicit answers and ways to win and figure it out once and for all oh, and just chilled out <laughs> and like tried to like acknowledge even things like, hey, my parents are dead. That's terrible. That's awful. It's tragic. And vengeance isn't going to get me anything. If I just chilled with, like, he knows a lot of really nice people, <laughs> right? Like, yes. Sim is super nice, like, super nice dude. I would love to be friends with Sim if he were real. Ari, super nice. Yes. Like, maybe there's a, I think Denna has a, a good heart underneath it all. There's evidence, like, you know, she helps out that girl who's down on her luck in the wise uh-huh, man's fear, uh-huh. these kind of things. The kind of person that if Quoth maybe stopped like trying to win or got rid of that part of him that was trying to win her and like capture her. Maybe, who knows, maybe that relationship could work out. I mean, I think it's kind of toxic how they relate to each other right now, but I think they both have the capability if they chilled out and tried to enjoy the moments of even being together. And there's like all these, and you know, shout out to Will as well. I don't want to leave Will out of this (laughs) equation. You can't leave Will Uh, out of the equation. You can't leave Will out. Uh, Quoth knows all of these like pretty great people and they relate to him and they care about him. And he, you know, he doesn't always let them in because of his struggles with vulnerability. And it's like almost, yeah, it's like sad in these ways of like trying to relentlessly pursue and find these answers because that's a lot of what he's doing with chasing the answers to who the Chandrian are and the Amir and all this kind of stuff is getting in the way for Quoth of just enjoying the beautiful game and, I hope that Charles, our relentless pursuit of trying to figure out what the King Killer is about, uh, does not uh, prevent us from trying to just sit back and enjoy the beautiful game too, <laughs> and our relationships and our journey, including this awesome lifelong journey of friendship <laughs> that I'm on with you. Uh, that is well said and hard to top, but yes, it's true. <laughs> we can speculate all day about what King Killer is about, but I think we left 
uh, with just as many things to think about as opposed to answers. And the important takeaway is that I enjoyed recording it very much with my lifelong friend Dylan here on the French Talking Fantasy Podcast. Well, that's what the French Talking Fantasy Podcast is about. Absolutely. Just chatting with my buddy and enjoying it. And I think we did that today. So, yeah, if you're ready to do quoth the honor of getting some sweet, sweet music pumping, <laughs> maybe get that outro music <laughs> going then. Are you ready, Oh, Charles? yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. Cool. Thank you, everybody, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. This has been your co-host, Charles and Dylan. If you like what you heard today, reach out to us on social media over on Twitter at the FTF Podcast with a number one at the end. And we're also on Instagram and Facebook at the FTF Podcast. If you want to message us directly, you can always send us an email at the FTF Podcast at gmail.com. Now, Dylan, if they wanted to further support the show and they just so happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts, what can they do? Toss five stars to our podcast. Yes. Just find that Friends Talking Fantasy page on the Apple Podcast app. Scroll down past any of those episodes that you're seeing until you start seeing stars. Once you're seeing stars, the best the optimal number of stars to click to support the show would be five of them. If you have a little bit of extra time and want to write a review, that can help us even more. But just listening, sitting back and enjoying what we hope is a beautiful game of me and Charles chatting about Fantasy and the King Killer Chronicle. That's more than enough. Thank you so much for being a part of this. Thank you everyone for listening to us continually discuss about King Killer Chronicles. We graciously, gratefully appreciate the support. Thank you all for listening and as always, go forth and conquer friends. <laughs> <laughs>